working drummer. Now kick it. This is the Working Drummer Podcast, serving up perspectives, experiences, and stories from ground-level working pros. Advice, tips, and secrets on how to build a career in the music business. Hey everybody, this is Matthew Krause, and you are listening to the podcast, Working Drummer. Today my guest is Ben Jackson. Ben is a Nashville-based drummer-slash-producer, primarily working in Nashville's top studios, as well as touring with a wide variety of artists and songwriters in the country, pop, and indie genres. A versatile musician, producer, and engineer, Ben maintains a busy recording schedule playing sessions in the studios of Music Row, as well as his own East End studio. As always, you can go to workingdrummer.net to find out more about this podcast and other episodes we've produced. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, where a new episode will be sent to you every week. While you're in iTunes, if you could leave us a comment or rate the podcast, it really helps us out. So let's get to it. Here is Ben Jackson. The presentation is, I mean, I would be lying if I said it wasn't as much for me, because I have to live in this room so much of the time, you know? Oh, oh I know. So, um, and this room has been through like four or five versions and revisions by now, where it's uh it, when i moved into the house it had hardwood floors in it and it sounded terrible in here and i'd never done a room before so we put carpet down and then as i added treatment yeah and kind of got to know acoustics better i eventually kind of you know and the drums moved around and the desk used to be over on a different wall and the snares were all laying on their side on a different rack i mean it's changed a lot yeah um and then this winter i finally i kind of kept making notes as as i got tired of changing it all the time and so i made notes for about a year on what i wanted and uh spent about two and a half weeks solid of just completely redoing everything we gutted the carpet i changed the desk out which was a big that was about big part of the timing put a couch in so it's kind of like supposed to be stations now we've got a mix station you know and a, mm-hmm. a, the drum station with the snares all right there so i can get to them easily an overdub station in the next corner and then kind of like the lounge over here where yeah. because i've got more writers coming over now and actually like writing here and doing stuff so it's it's uh, it became important to have somewhere for them to go so they weren't like sitting on the floor or you know yeah, like yeah. in the middle of the room in the way when you're and so you know and having all the stations kind of pre-wired too so it's like it's really just about picking a mic and plugging it in right and not draping cables across the room on top of somebody's stuff and you know sometimes yeah and sometimes all that stuff it kind of gets in the way and there's a yeah. timing and sometimes there's a sweet spot in the day and the right. visit and the and the whatever where uh if you're spending your time doing that and somebody's like, what's going can we get started here? Yeah, what's going I mean, on? Especially when they don't understand really what your role is. Right. And that's not their job to understand that. Or it's really my yeah. job to make them not have to to endure that. You know, I feel mm-hmm. like. like, And I'm the same way. Like, I would rather spend 20 minutes up here in the morning getting ready so they can walk into a room that's ready to go, you know? Yeah. And, and like, we did a... Um, a writing session in here last week and it was just me and two other guys and they spent a lot of time uh you know one in that chair and one on the couch kind of writing the tune as i was over here kind of working on a track for it and putting in my two cents whenever and you know but by the time it was like okay cool now we want to you know let's get something down real quick can we grab an acoustic part it's like yeah sure lower mic stand hit record, you know? Hey, cool, can we get a vocal part? Raise mic stand, hit record. I mean, and if you're doing a record, you're going to be more picky than that. But, like, yeah, it's yeah. great to be able to to not make them wait because they're ready to be creative, like, right that second. Yeah, and so if yeah. they can, if you can do that, if, you, if, if they've got to wait 10 minutes and they're texting and they're checking their Snapchat and everything else, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. they, they kind of come back and it's it's just a less focused. Right, right. Like, thing. where were we? Right. How do we do this? And, and uh, yeah, it has to be the, the you gotta, you gotta strike while the iron's hot. Yeah, yeah. And so that's a big part of it. And for me, also, I didn't, I don't like wasting my time with setup and teardown in a studio that doesn't see. I mean, I'm it's my place, so I'm always here working in it. It's not like I'm <laughs> renting it out to to just whoever. Yeah. So I don't have to tear the drums down. I don't have to put the mics back in a locker. Like 
there's no reason that I shouldn't be able to walk in here and kind of go, what are we doing? Okay, let me change a few settings. Yes. And let's just do it, you know? I'm in a very beginning stage of what you're doing here. But that's, uh, you know, I kind of want to get right into that. I yeah. think before we hit record, you asked me, you, you, you know, oh, what? so what do you know about me? And, you know, honestly, dude... I know a little bit about you, um, but one thing I do know is you're in the thick of it. You're in the thick of home recording for people that don't know. You're doing this stuff that is that a lot of people are starting to get into, that is a trend that's, that's uh, more prevalent now than ever before. The combination of technology uh, has grown to, so that people are recording at home, they're doing all this stuff, and uh, drummers aren't necessarily uh, the first people you think of when, you know, this knowledge of gear, when it comes to electronics, right? when it comes to recording, it's, it always seems to be like uh, the guitar player that, uh, and it's a lot more complicated. So I want to talk about what got you started with this. Sure. You know. Um, I've been into the recording aspect of making music as probably longer than I've been into actually making music. I mean, I was like a a Mm. kid that would, you know, like record over cassette tapes and, you know, do, do weird stuff. Um, when I was, when I was a little kid and, um, I put it down though for a long time. I didn't really get serious about it until, um, four or five years ago, but I, I'd learned a lot about it when I was in high school and early college and then, um, focused on playing for a long time. But then, I just, it was always like, that's always why I came here. And I, I, I came to Nashville wanting to be like a session cat. And, yeah. um, and it's weird cause it's something I don't think about very much anymore. Like it's, uh, because I probably because I'm busy and I don't, you know, like, and I'm, I'm doing what <laughs> yeah, I want. It's just yeah. in a different way than I thought. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I had friends in town that were really knowledgeable about recording and, the more I became knowledgeable about it and the more I became interested in producing and, yeah. and, and that kind of thing. Um, they all, all those things kind of slowly converged over a few years and gelled together. But it's, uh, to me, it's always been about, I wanted to make music sound the way I heard it in my head on a record. Yeah. And so everything that you see in this room, um, is my like lifelong journey to trying to accomplish that, you know? Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and so it's, a, uh, you know, I think, um, I just got really into it a few years ago. Yeah. I mean, really, really into it and started buying up, you know, mics and preamps and really considering, you know, like we bought this house knowing that I was going to be using this space for that, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, and I just kind of didn't give myself a an out. It was like I'm going to have to make this work. And at the time, I think I thought it was going to do something other than what it does. Um, I think when I when I first started, I thought, well, I'll record drums from here. Yeah. And I'll get my friends that write to come over, yes. and I can record drums for them, and I won't have to charge them much. Yeah. And then when they go make a record, they'll hire me to play drums on the record, and uh-huh. then I can you know just be in town all the time, and maybe I'll barely ever use this thing. And yeah. it's like that's completely the opposite of what's now happened. people are coming here to do it's, writing yeah, sessions. Yeah, in the last and, two years especially, what happened was, I, while I was trying, especially about two years ago when I was trying to employ that strategy, yeah, it was backfiring and I was kind of idiotically frustrated for a while because it was like, oh, well, they came out here and now they just want to do the whole stupid record here. And, you know, and it's like, it took, it took a long time for me because I'm kind of slow on stuff when I've got a, a laser focus on something else yes. to kind of see like the opportunity and, and why... I should just maybe go with that, you know, yeah, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I've kind of really dialed in my knowledge of, you know, and it just takes a lot of time. It takes practice like anything else. Um, okay. and, and people do ask a lot about, yeah. you know, man, what mic do I need? Or can, you know, what do I need to get for my setup? And yeah, it's like, man, mine's changed a lot and it keeps right. changing and I keep upgrading things. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you want to, depends on what your goal is, you know, yeah. but, but if you're just trying to at first learn more about it, 
Well, it's funny because uh, in doing the podcast, I've learned a lot. And when we when we're in the studio, you have an opportunity to ask an engineer or somebody right. some of those questions. So a lot of times, drummers are going, "Well, how do I get started? What do I do? I don't know. You know, I, I can tell you how many strands of snare drum you know my my snares are on on this drum or that, right. or what ply or what thickness nine mil on the on the you know coated ambassador or something." Somebody's going to correct me on that, but, uh, uh, Tucker. <laughs> probably seven mil, but, but you know, it's funny because, uh, we were, you were grabbing these mics and I'm like, oh, that, that 421. And then, and then there's the SM7, these very unsexy names, right. uncreative names. But yeah. I know what you're talking about right. now where, uh, admitted, admittedly six months ago, I would, I would have recognized the 421, but that's how you learn bit by bit. Yeah. And then you were in just and you were educating me on the pat, you know, the recording radius, the right, the patterns, the yeah, patterns, the, yeah, of how yeah. that stuff. That's yeah, yeah. And and I think, you know, it's it's like anything else. Um, but you you make that comparison to like the knowing the drum gear so well. Yes, and I could not care less about drum gear anymore. You know, interesting. Yeah. Now that being said, I have a lot of great drum gear. You do. You know, you do. and that's just one of the kits. There's a bunch of them in the garage. I'm know, looking a at bunch this of snare drums. Like, yeah, that's Sparkle a Sparkle Gretsch. That's a, a Gretsch Central Special from Baco that. Oh, I love. Wow, yeah. Wow. So it's like an early '80s Jasper thing. So Holy it's, moly! It's, that's my that's my flagship thing. I love that kit. But it's beautiful. But I know that that I can throw different kicks and different toms up and I'm going to get different sounds. Yeah. But if I didn't know how to mic a kit, how to EQ a kit, you know, where to apply compression, where not to, what my room was doing, I would never get a good sound out of any Mm -hmm. of those drums. Mm -hmm. I can throw, you know, almost any drum up and get it to do something cool now, you Mm -hmm. know, and I know kind of what, what a drum's going to do and what it's not under a microphone by the way it sounds. And I think that's kind of where the connection splits for some drummers where they, they continue to chase the, like the, the, you know, the like unicorn of snare drums, it's going to sound a certain way under a certain mic and, you know, all the time and like, Oh, I just need that drum. And it's like, if you, if you study the guys though, like, you know, the, the Keltners out there Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. you know, especially right now, Aaron Sterling, you know, Aaron uses, trash drums all the time and Mm -hmm. makes them sound incredible because he he doesn't care what it sounds like when you're sitting on top of it or what it sounds like in a so let me ask you that real quick because i had a uh six and a half gretsch copper Mm -hmm. snare drum uh i was probably playing it when we played with you guys on those years ago it was my a drum live for many many years it never recorded quite right. Is that what you're talking about? Because yeah, somewhat. I mean, and it's like, and everything depends. If you're doing, uh, you know, obviously musical style and what the yeah. what the overall tone you're going for is is huge. But um, yeah, some things. I mean, they're just going to do a certain thing under a certain set of mics in a certain room, you know. And I know yeah, guys that yeah. that have the giant, you know, racks of snare drums that have multiple like versions of the exact same drum that they yes. pull out in certain, you know, they pull this one out in ocean way and they pull this one out at blackbird because it just, it works better. And they've been in those rooms for enough years to know that, that that's the way it goes, yes, you know? And so yeah. some of it's just about knowing, knowing what your gear is going to do, but it's also like in my case, if you're going to get into recording yourself and you're engineering yourself, right, right. Then it's really useful to know kind of what, what things sound like under microphones, you know, where, mm-hmm. and where the sound comes from, you know, the, mm-hmm. the snare drum sound doesn't come from just the top snare drum mic. I mean, yep. that sounds like usually just a thud in a ring, you know, mm-hmm. it's not, you're not going to, it doesn't sound like a snare drum sampled, you know, like mm-hmm. the, are you going to get a lot of it from the overheads? Is it going to come from the rooms? Is it going to be top and bottom, mm-hmm. you know, snare drum combined? Um, and so, you know, and, and the more you work with certain engineers or in certain rooms, you know, who's working on that stuff, yeah. uh, the more you can kind of tailor certain choices to their tendencies for decision-making. But if you're the one that's making the decisions, right. having that knowledge of, hey, man, this is going to work fine. Yeah, it's real ringy in this top mic, but it, man, it sounds great mm-hmm. over here in the rooms, and I'm going to get most of it from yeah. from the room mics. And so there, there's just a a knowledge of kind of 
all of that, like the microphone, the blend, the yeah. you know, and I think again, the gear is somewhat important, but it's just like playing music. It's spending time with whatever you do have. Yes. To kind of formulate a a strategy and your go to you know things, and then you can kind of experiment and add things. But it's it's really just about practicing and getting better at it. Mm, and yeah, there's no way to take a shortcut. I'm still learning all the time. And you yeah. know, when you rip the carpet out of a room, you're starting over, you yeah, know, <laughs> it's yeah. like, and, and it was a huge improvement, but like things changed, like where my, where my room mics could go. Yes. Opened wide up. It was like, Oh wow. Now I can get some really cool stuff. And so I brought friends over and we took turns playing drums. Like my engineer, my other engineer drummer friends, you know, yeah. uh, Tim Grogan is a great guy in town for that. Like he's, He's so uh, often overlooked, but that dude's like in a session a couple times a week and wow. um, and writing his own music the rest of the time. And, you know, and he's he's a great engineer and knowledgeable guy. And so he, he came over and we'd take turns playing drums. And Bobby Holland, who's a great engineer in town, came over and we just walk around the room and listen for where things sounded awesome, you yeah, know, and then yeah. like, oh, wow, this is really cool. The cymbals aren't killing you here. Mm-hmm. You're getting a nice thump from the kick. You're yeah. getting some balance. Stuff's not too weird let's stick a mic here and see what it sounds like that's great oh wow you get this other thing here it's a lot beefier you know yeah if i want that i'll put that there let's stick a mic there and see what that does yeah. you know over here that sounds terrible it's you can hear the flutter it's just not a good spot in the room yes let's let's avoid using this area yes. for room mics yes. and so you know it's just about putting the time in well and that's the thing i think this might sound weird to you but that's one of the biggest struggles i'm dealing with right now in just getting started to record is that taking the time to figure out the mic placement, the room, um, which mics to use, all these things that don't require me banging the drums. Right. And I wonder if other people have that problem. Players that are starting to get into this, they just want the end results. Just, I just want to play and record. I do. Why do I have to run this cable? Why do I have to take the time to play eight bars of groove, stop, hit play, listen to what's going on, move something in a half an inch, and then play again. I just want to play because there's that that connection we have in the physical, the you know all the just playing music. This is almost a again, but like you say, you are making music right as an engineer, and it's a split. There's definitely like the split personality part of that, right? And and right. that comes up in a few things that I do. Um, but yeah, I don't think everybody's got that bone in their body. And, yeah, yeah. And I think that's okay. You know, yep. there's guys that love getting out and being on the road all the time and, you sure. know, playing every night and hanging out and staying up late or, you know, going on a run during the day in a mm-hmm. new city and stuff like that. And I, I did love that, but I don't really want to do that more than I want to do this. Sure. And those guys look at me like I'm crazy, you know? And right. so, so I, I totally get that there's, there's definitely like a certain type of personality that's going to gravitate towards yeah. being able to do this. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's out of the reach of most of the good players. I know those guys are all, we're all smart people. Like, mm-hmm. and, and we've worked hard to accomplish including building Tucker? a skill set. Well, like I said, most, <laughs> you know, um, but, uh, I've known Tucker since he was like 18. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, so two years. Yeah. 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 Has it been two years? Wow. Um, but no, I think that most of those guys like they can, but it's frustrating and it's frustrating for me and I'm, I'm, I'm into it. I mean, I like yeah. it, yeah. but it's frustrating and I definitely take shortcuts sometimes. And especially when I need to get something done, it's like, right. Hey, right. I should move this. I should really try this like a bunch of different ways, but you know what? <laughs> try it too. And that's, that's it let's go you know i mean i do that but it's it's mostly it's more like a a, it's like a cyclical thing like where you it's it's really difficult to get a picture of um and to keep perspective on like where things sound good and where they don't if you decide well before i can ever do this and make music i'm going to try every miking technique i can possibly read about and move everything by fractions of an inch here and there and it's like it's it's really more of a long-term thing of like man if you just record something every day you know mm-hmm. or as, as often as you can mm-hmm. go back and listen to it yeah make an adjustment somewhere find That's, a problem and make an yeah. adjustment and do one little thing then over time it gets 
better and better and better and better. And I'm the guy that has zero patience for any of that stuff. Like right. I want it and I want it now. Yes. But but it didn't happen that way. I mean, it definitely has, and it's still changing. You know, I still go back and hear things, and I'm like, man. You know what? Maybe those toms are too thuddy. Like yeah. maybe 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 that would be cooler. I wonder if I need to move my mics a little bit, or I wonder if I should change the heads on the drums because at some point it becomes a very like cohesive. You mm-hmm. understand that that in order to get things to translate through the speakers, mm-hmm. that it's all connected. It's all the source. Like mm-hmm. you've got the source instrument has to sound great. Your execution of oh, yeah. playing the instrument has to be right for Oh yeah, then there's that. That, right? <laughs> and then what you've done as the engineer has to be able to capture what it is you're looking for, which mm-hmm. is not necessarily what it sounds like in the room, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. it's it's what you're going for. Mm-hmm. And so um yeah, it's just kind of one of those like, you know, you do a round and then you make an adjustment. You go back and you do another round and you make an adjustment. And eventually you get to a point where you're good enough at it. It's just kind of like improvising in music. Like you get to a point where you're good enough with your fundamentals that you know it's going to work and it's going to sound good. So now I want to change and completely redo my overhead setup or I completely want to move the room mics because it's going to work. It's going to be different. I might have to change some stuff. I might like something about it better. I might like something about it less, but I'm not worried anymore that like this is going to be an unusable recording. Are there any like classic pitfalls that, that you had to deal with in approaching this because here's another challenge that I've noticed. Um, I have a tendency to ask compound questions, but so there's that classic pitfall and then also like gear and work and the challenge of the two, like how is it, how do you get work when you don't have much gear and how do you buy gear when you don't have the income from the work? Cool. Fair enough. (laughs) Um, that is a compound question. I'm sorry. No, no, that's good. That's fun. Um, well, Again, it's like you've got to you've got to take a look at whatever your situation is and figure out where you can start. Yeah, do some research, you know, on mm-hmm. on what what some of the better stuff, the more versatile gear is in your price range, whatever that would be. Right? Gotcha. Ask people that know, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and start. I mean, the yeah. most important thing, like with anything else, is just start doing it. So if you can get you know, a two channel interface and two microphones, you know, and you can get an overhead over your drums and something out in front of the kick drum, then you can start recording drums. And can you record drums, multi-tracked the, you know, and send it and make a bunch of money doing it? No. And neither can many other people, you know, yeah. that have great gear. It's not, it's not necessarily like being a drummer as an overdub artist is, is not going to be probably a, a, a career path anyway. Um, but, you can start using those things that these limited uh, resources to build your knowledge, to build your knowledge and to get creative with things. You know, if all you've got is two mics, Mm -hmm. you can't make it sound like something that was recorded at ocean way with 50 mics, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what, can you do with just those mm-hmm. two that's, mm-hmm. that's still cool, you know, like yeah. not just, Oh, well I'm trying to get that, that ocean way thing, you know, that super clean, yeah, really isolated drum sound. And I just kind of can't do it. So this is just as good as it gets. Well, like, it almost reminds stuff. Yeah. It almost reminds me of like, you. I've talked to really great drummers and I said, how'd you get started? Well, I told my mom I was interested in playing uh, drums. So she bought me a snare drum and a pad. Right. And I did that and I proved myself. And then they bought me the kick drum. Right. Then they bought me the hi-hat stand. It's a lot like that, you know? Yeah. And, and so it's, you know, you, you figure that out and you, you kind of nowadays it's, it's a combination of in the box and out of the box gear too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, outboard is great and we have some here, you know, and, yeah. but I also have a lot of stuff plug in wise and things that I really like to use for, yeah. for all kinds of different things. Mm-hmm. And so, and those are a lot more accessible, you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of the, the DAWs now have a lot of plugins built in. And DAWs, you mean? Like the digital audio station. So right. Logic, Pro Tools, you gotcha. know, mm-hmm. the, the dreaded topic of Ableton, um, yeah. you know, and, and any of that stuff, any way you want to want to use that. Um, they've all got things with them. So experimenting with, with those is, is also hugely important because learning how to use, especially EQ and compression, you know, is going mm-hmm. to be, that's going to serve you in anything you record period. Mm -hmm. But, but I'd say the pitfall 
is is either thinking you can't afford to get into it, you know, or mm. um, and so doing nothing because you can't get everything you want, or being becoming so obsessed with the gear that you're not being creative, which I think is the same pitfall that we experience as drummers, you know, mm-hmm. so obsessed with, man, I want this many toms up or I want this kind of thing or yeah. I want this kind of thing that yeah. you're not just in the woodshed working on getting better, you know? And yes. and I think that's the same thing here. So I think, you know, in terms of what's the most important gear wise, it's, uh, you know, it's going to be, I mean, and there's going to be a lot of differing opinions on this, but for drummers, it's, you know, great mics, great preamps. Mm-hmm. And, a lot of the rest of it can be done in the box now. EQ and compression can be done mm. really, really well by plugins. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of outboard EQ and compression because I want that flavor, and I also want to record. I want to print that stuff going down because it it shapes my tone just like a guitar player's pedal board or something like that. Sure, going in, and I'm confident in using it that I know. As opposed to try to fix it. Yeah, yeah. I don't post. want to fix anything, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, you know anything that you can do to start. Yeah, is going to be better and trying to figure out how to use your limitations. I, I do that with with the when I have to be the multi instrumentalist, which I'm not. I don't play anything else really very well or competently. You know, I couldn't play a gig on any other instrument, but I do record other parts all the time. Yeah, and I use my my like lack of you know being a, a fantastic piano player. And try to find a creative edge to that so that it yes. doesn't just sound like I'm not a great piano player. It sounds like I'm doing some creative producing instead. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Um, I think that's just, you know, I had other other guys that were doing similar things to me that I couldn't believe. I'm like, wait, you don't play that. How did you do that? You know, it makes you wonder how They're, much that goes on all the time. And they were the ones yeah. that told me to do that. Like, dude you own a keyboard, you own a guitar, you can right. make noise with it. Right. Like just figure out what you can do. And, and yeah. use use that to be a cool thing, you know, chop like, something up yeah. or do, do something cool, you know. And so, yeah, I mean, that's, there's so many stories in history, like like the the organ part of like a Rolling Stone was played by a guitar player, right? Right. <laughs> there's all kinds of stuff like that, you know, and yeah. and how how that stuff gets accomplished. And so I, yeah. I think I've got a lot of friends that are really um, drummer friends that ask me about this stuff a lot, but I see very few of them doing anything about it. And it's hard, man. I'm in that. Really tough. I'm in that boat because I think the bottom line is you have to have patience a lot. And we're we're at a place in our life where it's kind of like it's hard to be patient. We've worked so hard to build those little steps to to get to the place where we are as players right. that you have to apply that same. And if you're starting from scratch, it's like learning a new instrument. You know, you hear every once in a while somebody says, "Well, you know what? I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna start learning piano." Right. And I'm taking lessons and I'm starting from scratch. And it's really weird because I'm a professional drummer and a professional musician and that it's funny for me to start over. And this sounds like very much the same thing. It is. Um, I think for me, what I kind of came around on, well, there were two two things that happened to me. The first one was I, I just wanted to do this so badly mm-hmm. that if I wasn't going to, um, well, again, it comes back to that patience thing and, and my lack uh, of having any. I didn't want to wait to start getting invited to do more sessions. I was doing yes, a few, but yes. I wasn't doing, I wasn't there every single day. And yeah. so it wasn't good enough for me. <laughs> and so I just wanted to get to where I could do this all the time. And, you know, once I started realizing that the, the way in and Lon, Lonnie Wilson actually told me that when I was working with Tippin, um, mm-hmm. I, I got to go hang with those guys for a few days while they cut a record for Aaron and the, and Aaron was super sweet about the whole thing and said, Hey man, you know, you need to come in with me. Yes. Um, you're not going to be on my gig for very long. Like you need to come in and hang out for a few days. Lonnie is amazing. And he, Aaron would introduce me and say, Hey man, this is my drummer right now, Ben. He wants to do the studio thing. So he's hanging out for the next few days. Yes. You know, it was very, very generous of him to not be protective of his player, but to be much more like pushing me out of the nest. And, yes. and Lonnie told me straight up, he said, look, if you want to do it, your in is not ever going to be through other musicians. It's always going to be through the songwriters. If you can get in with songwriters, if you mm-hmm. can get songwriters to work with you, if you write, write with them. That's how he got in was by being a writer, you know? Yes, and, yeah. uh, and so I, I, I struggled to, to figure out how to apply that, you know? Yeah. Um, but once I started kind of building my own spot, that's what I was doing. And, yeah. um, yeah, I think it is like learning a new instrument, but I think for me, it's, 
I also started to feel like a big, a big thing that was important to me was to be busy as much as possible. I, yeah. I want to have something to do every day. Yeah. Um, that was one thing that I, I didn't always love about some of the touring gigs was like, yes. you're, you're busy three days a week and then you have nothing going on, you yes. know? And so I just didn't like that, that part of the lifestyle as much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So once I got more into this, I realized I could push that to, to try to stay busy more and more of the time. Right. And I think in the modern music industry, the way things are going and the way things are shaping up, I think that it's going to be more and more important for people to be more than just a drummer. Mm-hmm. I just think that that's, that's a reality of it. And so for me to be more than just a drummer yeah. has afforded me a lot of opportunity to work with people. And so I'll, I'll like I said earlier, I have... Of days where all I'm doing over here is a vocal session. We did that last week. So mm-hmm. I was the engineer and kind of the pseudo producer of the vocal session. And then, you know, we listened to a few things uh, that I had done, that I'd worked on before. And they said, cool, we're just going to leave the track here with you to mix. So I'm the mixer for that track. And I'm doing a lot of mixing right now, too, which is something I've fallen in love with. Because, again, that whole, I want to make it sound the way I hear it. Yes. That's, I've ultimately decided that's where that happens, you know? Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. That's a whole, I mean, talk about a new endeavor. That's a huge undertaking, but I just kind of can't stop. I mean, I just kind of can't get enough yeah. of it. I love doing it so much that, uh, that I'm just as happy working on that stuff Yes, as I am behind the kit. Yeah. I couldn't quit doing drum. I couldn't quit playing yeah. just to do that, but I need that balance. How have you seen it affect like the way you approach the drums now? I do still play a good bit and I do practice some. I don't as much, obviously, like you, you said, mm-hmm. if you're spending all this time doing that, that's time away from, from the instrument right. and there's no way around that. But uh, yeah, it's changed a lot of things subtly about the way I play. Um, one of them is I really have brought my like levels down in general like how hard i'm hitting a lot of the time has really come back down to kind of where it was when i was in my early 20s and i was in school and it was you know everything was you know very jazz or small gigs where you had to be more mindful of volume um because drums don't need to be hit super hard to sound good Mm -hmm. on a record in fact a lot of times the very opposite is true and especially uh the cymbal thing i mean you can't crush your cymbals or you're just going to obliterate all the drum sounds. So, you know, being really lighter on the hat, um, being, being mindful of how hard you're hitting your crashes, you know, even the, you know, crashing the ride stuff can be a pretty low volume and a really, really light stroke if you're getting that tone. And so Interesting. it's like touch and tone yeah. are huge. It's just as important on the drums as it is on a guitar. You don't want to mm-hmm. see a guy just wailing on his strings mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you want them to, to play with a good touch and tone for the song. Right. Um, and t- tailoring your parts, I mean, even things like, you know, whether or not you're going to play ghost notes on the snare drum and how yes. busy that's going to be, you know, because yes. that gets, sometimes it's, it's the whole groove is, is, is happening there and in, in what's happening between two mm-hmm. and four and then four and two. But other times it's really in the way, you know? Yes. And yeah, so yeah. kind of, kind of really having some concept of what that's probably going to sound like in a mix. Mm-hmm. Um, and making the engineer's job or the editor's job a little bit less of a pain for them. You know, if you don't want to be, uh, and not this will always stop it, but if you don't want to be gated, if you don't want, you know, to be chopped to pieces, if, if you want certain things to kind of remain a yes. certain way, the, the more you get it balanced and feeling great going mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. the less work they're going to need to do to it you know and and i think uh that's you know for me it's it's very much a personal thing because if i create a giant pain in the ass for the engineer i have just created a giant pain in the ass for myself Mm -hmm. (laughs) so you're you're both so i'm i'm going to be coming over here and and going oh well that doesn't work and that's how i found out we were talking earlier before we started about the art versus commerce thing yes if you're putting something down on a record to leave your stamp on it, you better be paying for that record. 
like that better be your record with your name on it at the mm-hmm. end of the day because mm-hmm. otherwise it's a service industry you know you're yeah. being hired hopefully by somebody yeah. that wants what you do yeah. to enhance their music mm-hmm. if you approach it and i do hear guys talk like this a lot and i've thought like that when i was younger that you want to be hired like there's the 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 the, the side guy artist you mm-hmm. know which are the the side guys that that they want to be hired because what they do is so cool that you have to have it on your record, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there are a few guys out there that that happens to, sure. you know. But the vast majority of guys that do that will tell you that that's not that's no. not it. That's no. not the thing. And I found that that's definitely not the thing. You know, yeah. my now that doesn't mean you can't be creative or you have to be the right the the. But it's a different brand of creativity, you yeah. know. And it's usually not about being an impressive drummer it's about being i i really think it's about being an impressive composer with a great feel right you know if you can come up with a really cool part or some cool layers or some cool sounds you know Mm -hmm. on Mm -hmm. on very similar and we're talking about you know country music and pop music and rock music and you know not stuff that that is going to be way out there in Mm -hmm. terms of parts you know it's going to have a backbeat on two and four most of the time it's going to have kick on one and somewhere else around three Mm -hmm. and it's going to have some subdivision somewhere so your your formula is kind of laid out right but it's like how you approach that yeah and what sounds you provide Mm -hmm. and what kind of dynamics and what kind of pocket but also you know the part itself to serve the music and if you get the songwriter the artist to just light up because of what you added to it. And it's yeah. the simplest thing in the world. You know, it's a, a little marching snare drum part mm-hmm. on a, you know, mm-hmm. field drum in the bridge or whatever. And they explode. And it's something that you learn. Yeah. You know, it's a, a, it's an exercise you learned when you were in seventh grade, <laughs> you know, and you just put it on their record. Got this from the Pratt book. Right. Exactly. You know, it's like, and that's even too much, much chops, you know, but it's like, you know, take all the rolls out of the Pratt book and then take two beats, you know, it's like, here's yeah. page 38 of syncopation for the first two bars. I'm going to play this on the guy's bridge. Um, if you do stuff like that and they love it, you get to come back and do it again. You know, if you leave your stamp as a, uh, you know, you're you're trying so hard to leave your stamp Mm -hmm. on something and it's not what they needed for their music. You don't get to come back and do it. No. And I would rather get to come back and do it again. One of the things you uh, first blog about is why you're doing the blog. I wanted to do a couple of things. Um, I coming from like a musical, like education background, mm-hmm. I really value like that. You know, it's really a paying back. People call it paying forward, but you're not. You're already there. You're paying it back to to, mm-hmm. to the mm-hmm. next generation. Um, and I really want to be able to help out people. And and I get you know, it's not a lot, but I'll get calls to teach drum lessons once in a while, and I, I mm-hmm. don't have time. I can't, you know, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, a lot of questions about the the production aspect of things. Yeah. A lot of questions about the Ableton stuff, which everybody knows about, you yeah. know. And so it's, uh, I got to a point where it was getting frustrating because I couldn't, I couldn't take the time to answer a lot of those questions. Mm. Um, it wasn't, and it was, I felt bad, you know, but mm-hmm. it was, it was just eating into too much of my work time and, yeah. and my family time. And so, yeah. Um, this is kind of a way for me to, to disseminate a lot of that information right? where people can find it and people that, that might not even ever have access to me because they just don't live anywhere near here, um, or know anyone that knows me or know how to get in touch can, can access it. So it's, that's kind of the goal is just to be right. able to, to contribute. Um, and I put out the why I'm blogging thing also as a, and there's a, there's kind of a snarky comment in it at some yeah. point about, you know, the, I've wanted to do it for a few years, yeah. but I always held back because I would just hear, you know, I'd see somebody else put, put themselves out there in some way, shape mm-hmm. or form. And then mm-hmm. I'd see like another group of people and these are all friends of mine, you mm-hmm. know, just like yeah. take a crap all over it, you know? And it's yeah. like, man, I don't, maybe, maybe not. And so I kind of address that too. Like yeah. if you hate this and you think I'm a complete moron and I don't know anything about what I'm talking about. Awesome. <laughs> like blog yourself. Well, don't you think that that feedback and creating this conversation, it is you're benefiting from this. You're building community. You're building, uh, making people aware of what you do, what you know, and building community. And building community is it. It, it helps business. It's what kind of what we do, right? 
you know. There's, I mean, there's a whole um, world of that now. If you scroll down your Facebook feed, instead of seeing thousands of, you know, if you're if you're on my Facebook feed and you've got my all the the data cookies in my thing, it's all recording stuff, right? Yeah. So instead of seeing, you know, you should buy X. Yeah. It's always here's a tutorial on X. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think people figured out that by giving away some information, by, by, by making things accessible, Mm -hmm. you do build trust that Mm -hmm. way. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, I suppose that there's, there's that side of it too, for sure Mm -hmm. of, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I'll be honest, like, I don't, I haven't really figured out what I'm trying to do with it completely yet, um, from that side of it. But yeah, yeah, I mean, like anything, if you're going to spend time on it, you want, you want it to be you know, somewhat beneficial in some way, shape or form, whether yeah. it's monetarily yeah. or just, you know, if it is, you're just your giving back thing. But yeah, I think, I think building, like you said, building a community yeah. and building some trust yeah. and building awareness yeah. is not going to hurt. And, and the no. fact that I'm not, you know, positioned on music row, you know, mm-hmm. where things are being funneled my way all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it isn't going to hurt for sure, you know, no. but a lot of my, my friends are just, you know, they're just interested in it. I think the more you show that you can, that you can do something well, yeah, the more likely they are to trust you. How is it that people stay busy playing and working in this field full time? And a lot of it has to do with, I created this situation and it seems like the Ableton thing for you is, is become that. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll go on the record now and give the background on this. I've, I've told a lot of people this, this story, but I, I can't really claim credit for creating the opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's one of those weird things. And you hear people talk about it all the time with, you know, how did you get into doing such and such? Or how did you become the guy for this? And they, a lot of times they're like, man, I didn't mean to. It just, fell in my lap and I was in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. And that is the truth with the Ableton thing for me. What what my perception of it anyway, what happened, which which, you know, is only coming from from my experience, was that when I moved to town and and shortly thereafter, a few months after, I got the, the gig with Aaron Tippin, right? Mm-hmm. And the first thing they they asked me in the audition mm-hmm. was uh, they actually told me beforehand, you're gonna need to run backing tracks. Are you cool to do that yeah i was like yeah okay sure you know thinking how hard can that i can be, hit a right? space bar yeah anybody can hit right <laughs> and then i get down there and they're saying look uh you have um what we what we currently have is a Tascam digital recorder four track that all this is on yeah tim grogan actually set that up and i still okay. still curse him for it um but uh but it worked fine for the time but they'd had it for 10 years at that point yeah, you know yeah and they're like we're gonna get rid of that and we're going to go to a Mac. Yeah. And we're going to go, we guess to Pro Tools, you know? Yeah. Um, but we need, we want to upgrade to like a digital system. Do you know how to do all that? And yeah. I said, yeah, sure. You know, like I've got an Apple. I can do that, you know? Yeah. And I knew I knew recording, like I had been, you know, I've recorded my own band's record in high school with Cakewalk. You know, I had mm-hmm. done, I had been working in that kind of software platform for a long time. I hadn't used Pro Tools because it was really expensive then. You right. had to have the hardware and all that. I know. Yeah. Um, and I had taken, uh, I had I'd, like hung out a few times with Jim Riley mm-hmm. right after I moved to town. And he had told me about what the flats were doing with, with Ableton. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I said, yeah, sure, that's fine. And then they kind of dumped on me like, hey, if you're the guy for the gig, like you'll have to do this and you'll have to set it up because we don't know, we don't even know how to use an Apple. None of us are Apple users. So yeah, you're yeah. the guy. And I'm like, yeah, no problem, man. I got that. Like, dude, I've yeah. done it a million times. Sure, Church sure. gigs and everything. It's great. No no worries. The next day they call and say, hey, uh, do you do you want this gig? You know? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Great. This track thing, though. We're, we're for real about that and you're sure you're good with that. I'm like, absolutely. No problem. Right, right. Hang up the phone. Yes, got a gig. Pick up the phone. Jim. How do you do backing tracks? <laughs> yeah. And uh and so you know, I I got Ableton because he recommended that I yeah. did. Yeah. And immediately I I saw the advantage of that. And I didn't know what I was doing, but those guys were really patient and um 
luckily they were, you know, not... Did you keep them in the dark? I mean, did, yeah, you, of course. did you stay ahead of the curve and learn I enough? Sure. And I blamed the damn computer every time something didn't work because I didn't do it right, you know? And <laughs> Guys, so, if you only understood right. this computer yeah, thing. No, is... man, that's a, uh, I don't know what, what, what that is, you know? I mean, there was like, I remember one one time, uh, I just, it was like my second show with Tippin. I, we were using a, just like an NPC style yes, um, controller yeah. to trigger tracks and none of them, like you couldn't get any tape to stick to those things to label them. So I was just trying to do it by memory and I like hit the the wrong button and you know, I knew what song we were on. So we all started the song we were supposed to, but we started it like 30 clicks faster than we were supposed to. I had to kill the tracks, you know, and they're like, Hey, what happened? I was like, I don't know, man. I, I got no idea what that was. <laughs> you know, Right, like, right, right. Um, but I got better at it. And at that time, I certainly wasn't the first guy to the party using Ableton for backing tracks, right. you know? Um, but I think it was probably limited to like Urban's, Paisley, you know, like the big, big guys that had a guy on staff that knew how to do that. Right. And so when we were out playing, all these other guys would see our rig and go, who built that for you? Mm. And I'd say, well, I did, you know, because I didn't even know you could get somebody to do it for you. Right, right. <laughs> so, And so I started helping other guys, you know, and, and people started pushing stuff my way. Like Keo sent Jake Owen to me to, to teach them kind of how to do it at first. Yeah. And that was one of my first clients was really trying to show them how to. Mm-hmm. And then um, I've helped uh, Tracy Broussard out with Blake Shelton. It was, yeah. was an early on thing, too. And then uh, but but eventually I started doing it enough and getting called to do it more um, and I've kind of since refined it to where it's like I really just build the rigs for them now and train mm-hmm. them on using it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I've had to work really hard to communicate to people because learning how to do it is, especially now that I really know how to do it, it takes a lot more time than me teaching you how to doing mm. it myself and teaching you how to use it. You I know, see. I see. it's a lot like the recording thing. It's like, well, really, how bad do you want to know how to do this? You yeah. know, and yeah, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's become a, a, a niche of mine Mm -hmm. and i think the reasons for that are just that i was i was in the right place at the right time i I had an ableton rig going Mm -hmm. uh, on a level of a gig that people didn't have ableton rigs going i see and i had a lot of exposure to people that were about to need that and for those that don't know ableton why ableton over another like pro tools or another daw yeah um well it's designed to be used in a live situation Mm mm-hmm uh, is the short answer, you know, okay. it's designed really for DJs to use, um, or, mm-hmm. or electronic, you know, like EDM producers to be able to take short clips and loops of things and mm-hmm. then arrange them into a full song. But it, the big thing it does is it lets you have a lot of arrangement flexibility and your triggering of things doesn't have to be like on the beat. You can kind of pre-trigger things. You can, you can, it's just a very flexible system in terms of being able to set up an arrangement that works any way you want it to. Mm. Um, and is flexible at any part of the process. Um, Mm. so it automates a lot of stuff. Some guys want a lot more control. They want to trigger every single section. They want to, you know, really, Oh, interesting. But the way I set mine up by default is I'm coming from the standpoint of being the drummer that has to operate it. Cause most of the Nashville guys are the drummers are operating these things. Right. Um, and I don't personally want to mess with it very much when I'm up there. So I set it up to run the song, the song, yeah. And I don't have to touch anything, yeah. Unless there's a repeated section of the loop, I, I'm going to make it as automated as I can. I'm, right. I'm going to yeah. try to interact with it as little as possible, right? And I think most drummers prefer that. Um, and I got busy enough with it this year. Um, I really have tried the last two years it's been tough because i really try to limit my time with with setting up ableton rigs for people Mm, mm -hmm. um where we talked about earlier like i do think it's hugely important to now do more than one thing yes for almost all of us there's a very very select few people that get to just do their one thing and so i'm grateful that i have this thing yeah uh, that i can do and that people want me to do it again it's a it's a personal choice and balance but if you can find the thing that mm-hmm. people need, but that most people don't want to do. Yeah, there's a there's money to be yeah. made there. Like yeah. there's a there's a market there, and it found me in this case. You know, yeah. yeah, and I've gotten good at it, and so I've tried to legitimize it more. I've got like a little you know a a, a logo and a brand on it now. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, that kind of thing. No, that's really cool. I, I want to I want it to be really great. I started by playing playing drums. Um, and did you know the i went to a high school that was really involved in 
a lot of the you know the BOA drum and all the drumline stuff and the okay. PAS percussion ensemble and so I, I had a really good high school education in music. Went to North Texas, studied with Ed Sof, um, which was the best thing for me that I could have ever done. Um, mm-hmm. I needed that kind of discipline and that kind of environment. Um, worked in Dallas, you know, for a couple about a year and a half after I finished school mm-hmm. and did a lot of you know top forty country gigs and mm-hmm. you know weddings and jazz and everything you know um you're from texas no i'm from atlanta actually i grew up in georgia i grew up in uh marietta georgia just north of atlanta so i'm from not too far from here yeah um and moved out to denton to go to school and so i was out there for for six or seven years um when it was all said and done and uh then moved to nashville yeah and um yeah toured with a, a handful of guys Aaron Tippin, Frankie Ballard, uh, Greg Bates, um, and play with a bunch of other guys. I played with Joe Nichols for a second. Um, I've been playing for the last year on and off. I sub with sister Hazel. Um, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and which is super fun. Those guys are so awesome. Uh, and so I still really enjoy all that stuff, uh, and yeah. playing too. And the whole time, you know, the college thing I, I focused on playing, but the rest of the time I've been doing kind of the recording thing. Yeah on the side until I've kind of fused it together a few years ago. And yeah, I'm mostly doing that now. So how much are you playing now? Um, I know you say you do the sister Hazel thing from time to time. Yeah. And that's, it, that's so widely, wildly varies between, uh, you know, somewhat frequent and really not frequent, <laughs> which is fine. <laughs> uh, Mark's awesome. And he's been there for 20 years or whatever. And so I'm just happy to go when I can. Yeah. Um, but it seems like right now I end up playing, in town a few times a month out live, but not mm-hmm. a lot. And then I'll usually end up out of town like once every four to six weeks for a weekend. And then mm-hmm. the rest of the time I'm, I'm here. Um, yeah. And it's been really, really great. I really enjoy being able to, to kind of dig in and work in one Avenue. Yeah. Um, and I'm doing a lot of different things. Like I said, between playing on stuff or doing the whole track or producing a, an EP for somebody or mixing something, you know? So yeah, it's it's all kind of uh, swirling around in one yeah. big mix now. You, as you've seen things go and progress over time, where do you see your work go, say, in the next 10, 15, 20 years? It's a good question. Um, I don't think anybody knows what's going to happen in the next 10 or 15 or 20 years. It's, <laughs> I, I actually see the scene, um, and this is something I talk to my hears about a lot come on ben who's going to be the next president right right exactly (laughs) my dog linus um it's uh it's so different now than it was two years ago i mean i haven't even been in nashville as long as a lot of my friends have and it's completely different game than than when i I mean my if i got if i landed here today for the first time yeah it would be a completely different journey because it's so different you're right but i think for me um just kind of continuing to do the same things. I mean, for me, my, my focus is, is on playing on kind of producing and on mixing Yeah. and which one of those, if one of them ends up being like the heavy hitter and the others take a back seat, I'm fine with that. Yeah. If they end up being kind of an even blend, I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had a friend tell me not long ago that he said, man, the whole, the whole idea is just to be busy enough to do this, to keep doing, to be able to keep doing this. And if you can keep doing it long enough, you get to work on some really cool stuff. Yeah. And I think that's kind of as simple, like that's as complicated as I want it to be right now. It's like, I just want to keep doing what I'm doing and be patient so that I can get better opportunities as they come. And then I'm ready for them when they, when they hit. It, It seems so simple, but it's so true. There's, you have to be patient. There's a bit of a waiting game. Um, your opportunities will present themselves. You have to be ready for those opportunities. And so you're building upon the experience that you've had and keep adding and adding on to that experience. You're not sitting waiting for the phone to ring, but you're learning. It goes back to that whole idea of if you've got two microphones, learn how to make them work and record. Uh, Record yourself before that paying client comes to you and says, I need this demo. Can you do it today? Right. So that's how far you've come. And if that's the trajectory, then consider 10, 15 years down the road what you'll be doing. Right. Because this is a killer 
place you got here, Thanks. man. And it's, it's just it. this is like one point oh well, this is like one point five now, but and I told my wife that I said this is gonna be the this is the last time I'm like rewiring a studio in this house. Like if the next time <laughs> that we do this is because we moved. But um yeah, I mean I, I hope that I just really hope that I'm able to continue what I've been doing, which is working with, you know, you want to just work with more and more people that are great at things and that are passionate about whatever they're doing. And, mm-hmm. and for me, mm-hmm. being kind of a, a little bit schizophrenic with what I do, you know, between playing and engineering and producing and, you know, mm-hmm. that, I'm also a little uh, genre schizophrenic. Like, I love pop stuff. I love, like, mm-hmm. like synth pop. I love yeah. country stuff. I love the indie acoustic thing, you know? Yeah. And so... To continue, to me, it's like just about finding people that whatever they're into, if it's something that I can be passionate about, yes. if they're passionate about it, yeah, we try to make something awesome, you know? And I just kind of hope I can keep growing that community so that hopefully it, we make stuff that other people think is awesome yeah, too, yeah, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I kind of, I think to be too much more specific than that puts you in a, in a spot where you're just really under a lot of pressure from yourself Mm. to achieve some sort of like milestone of recognition, you know, and we all want that recognition. Like everybody, nobody's doing this that doesn't want to be known for what they do. But I really want to try to like find a balance with my life of, you know, I have a profession that I love. I get to do several different things in it. I hope what I'm doing is good. Yeah. And I want to be able to be happy there so that I can continue doing it. Yes. And not, feel like it's got to achieve X or I'm failing, you know? And so I, I just kind of, I'm trying to take a little bit of a step back in the la- last couple of years of like, let's just see if we can just like make this marathon work instead of trying to sprint to the finish line, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I I think that's a very healthy and mature uh, way of approaching it. I didn't say I was any good at it. <laughs> no, <it's- laughs> But don't let anybody know that. Yeah, right. When they you say, are you good right. at it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you say, yeah, I got it. Yeah. And then you pick up the phone. And you, I think everybody struggles. And you, struggles and with you it, call right? your buddy and say, how do I do this? How do I do this? That's you know? a great story, man. I love that. And I bet you have these days where you've got a session here and people are here and you're creating something. And at the end of the day, it's like, man, you're just, you feel great. You've, it's like you've created stuff. You've got a great product, great music. Uh, and then somebody says, oh, yeah, uh, here's your check. And you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, I get paid right. for this. Right. This is great. Right. This and that's, great. and that's you know, you want to have as, the goal is to have as many of those days as you can. Yes. You know? Yes. Oh, and I so you, you, you try to do that. And a lot of that's about the, you know, the people that you want to work with. And that's the thing that's really important to me is not just working with whatever the, quote, right people are, the you know, but working with you people. You know what that, the right people are, though. You have to decide that for yourself. That's, that's a personal thing. Working yeah. with people that you love to be around and that hopefully love what you do so that you you can you can be productive and feel great about what you're doing. And, yep. and you know, yep. uh, I think it's it's really should be about that, you know. Um, one last thing I want to mention, uh, you had a post, uh, a guest post. I did. Uh, for, and remind me who this was, but it, because of the title of it's five tips on building a career in mm-hmm. music. Yep. It was on Eric Barfield's, uh, website, which I think is, um, uh, you'll have to Google it. Cause I think he's got a middle initial ericwbarfield.com or something. Okay. Um, but it's, uh, he's a, a, a younger, uh, keyboard player. Mm-hmm. And a brilliant patch designer, sound designer, mm-hmm. um, that just recently located in Nashville. And he's played on a few things for me. And he's helped me kind of get my blog started. He's been doing it for a long time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so he's a, he's a good dude and, and, and worth checking out. Um, but yeah, we, we swapped. So I'll be posting one of his um, this week, too. It was good, man. And Thanks. and your blogs, they're they're brief. They're to the point. They're easy to, to digest uh, and just... I'll just mention this real quickly. Uh, number four in your uh, post uh, was uh, make friends, not network. Right. I hate networking. Yeah. Yeah. I hate being networked with. <clears throat> right, right. You know, it's too transparent and fake and it makes me not want to work with you, you know? Like, yeah. Be be organic. And, and part of that that I didn't get to mention there is, is, again, that patience thing of letting some things happen naturally. There's some guys in town that I would really like to get to know that – I know we share a lot of the same passions about the things we've talked about today, mm. but I don't 
know them because I don't really have a reason to know them. And I have the social awareness about me to go, yeah, and me, like if I were to reach out to that guy and just be like, hey, we should be buddies. How would I feel when that happens to me, you know? And so it's like just letting certain things happen organically and knowing when to speak up and go, hey, we should hang. This is who I am. Like, yeah. I would love to talk to you sometime. But yeah, but yeah making genuine yeah. friends. And like you said, you know, you're, you're building that community. Yeah. Then you can really be productive and help each other out. Mm-hmm. But when you've got guys that, you know, that are very clearly like on a solo trajectory, mm-hmm. then... It just the the lack of being genuine really. Or they only talk to you when they need something. Yeah. Or or I'm guilty of this. Hey, we should do lunch, and it never happens. Well, and that does happen, and that's cool. I think because I think everybody kind of does get that when you're a busy guy. You know that Mm -hmm. you you want to and you mean that, but you just it doesn't happen some of the time. But I I think it's a, um, it's just kind of a thing about you want to be able to be real with somebody and. Mm -hmm. You know, it is, it's a bit like dating, you know, it's like, you've got to, you've got to be able to, to connect and, and hang and have common interests or at least know who each other are mm-hmm. before you're going to want to work with somebody. If your whole purpose of running up to somebody and introducing yourself is so they'll hire you. It's like, you know, the number of times guys say, Hey man, if you ever need a X player at mm-hmm. your studio, give me a call. And it's like, that's probably not the way that that's going to end up going down. Mm-hmm. Like the guys that are going to get the calls from me or the guys that are like, you know, close to me that I work with, that I hang course, with, that I, I'm buddies with, that I trust, and that mm-hmm. I know, you know, also feel the same about yeah. me. And so yeah. it's, you know, the more you can find that, um, and it, that's why I think it's less about strategically, you know, positioning yourself to, I need to be friends with this person. It's like, well, you can try that, but if it doesn't hit, if you don't have any common ground, yeah, if there's nothing that those guys if you can't provide a mutually beneficial relationship, right? Like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I would love to get to know X session player because we have a lot in common, but I don't Mm -hmm, have anything to offer that mm -hmm, guy, you know? mm -hmm. So I just have to either run into them by happenstance and get to talk to them and we decide to go grab coffee or we don't. Yeah. And that's it. No, I think you're right. And it's, it's more complicated than just saying, well, you need just to be cool. And because we have different personality traits and there's extroverts and introverts and, uh, and those are all legitimate personality types yeah. that um, you just have to understand yourself and kind of who you want to work with and who you, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And, but, but those things are important and I love that. Not, don't be network. Don't do the network thing. Be a friend. Yeah. Be there. And that, that is what networking used to be, you know, in business. It's just in the last like 15 years that people have mistaken that for just like, Oh, yeah. I need, I need this yeah. person to get something from them. That's networking. Let me go tell them yeah. that I need them for that. But you know, like, when you see it, yeah, it's, it's you see it you in see all it kinds coming, of business. Usually, you know, I mean, like, you can uh, literally see it walking towards you across the club, you know, like, Oh no, God, here we go. You know? And, <laughs> and, and one thing I think that would be good for people to know is, you know, if you, if you're listening to this and you think you might be guilty of that, um, and we all have been, but also know that like, that that gets talked about. There mm. are text threads. There are email things. They're just like little ribbing each other at the bar about, hey, so-and-so, you know, give you his spiel yet. Mm-hmm. And then it's damaging your reputation. You know, you're mm-hmm. not spreading your name in a good way. Like, there, mm-hmm. there is such thing as bad press, I guess, is my point. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, and yeah. so to, to just kind of be like, yeah, a, uh, have that social awareness, which is tough, mm-hmm. to, to, to kind of, you know, know who you are. Yeah, yeah. Know where you are in the whole scheme of things. Sure. You know, I didn't move to town and, and, and call like, you know, Jay Joyce and Frank Liddell immediately and go, Hey, let's go grab lunch. You know, I, I knew that wouldn't go well. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. you know, knowing where you are and kind of working within your own generation a mm-hmm. lot because mm-hmm. music is such a generational thing. Mm-hmm. The guys that are, you know, Murphy talked about that on your podcast a little mm-hmm. bit too. If mm-hmm. You're not getting his gig. Right. And, and yeah. you know, my He's, peers talking about his peers. Yeah, and and mm-hmm. you know the guy that comes up, man, I'd really love to sub for you sometime or whatever. I think it was his, his, yeah, yeah, his yeah. anecdote about it. It's like, but I have too many friends that I trust more than you. I don't even know who you are. You know, yeah, yeah. it's working your way up, and it goes mm-hmm. back to being. I think a lot of the guys that miss the boat on just making friends and being cool are also they're just having a hard time with patience. You know, and yeah, it's, it man, all, that's, that's building classic. a career is all about about uh-huh. that. And I, again. 
I suck at it, but that's, that's, you know, but that's kind of, uh, that's kind of what it's about. It's just, you know, you make your friends absolutely make friends with people that are really good, but you know, you can tell when you're meeting people, if, if this person is accessible and open to working together, or if they're too busy and they're already further along and Mm -hmm. just kind of be mindful of, right. Of what you're, what you're doing and how you're presenting yourself. Cause it, it's more important a lot of the time than, Oh yeah. What you can do behind your instrument. Right. You know, also want people to know, um, there's lots of Ben Jacksons out there. There are so many. There's so an Australian actor. Yes. Ben Jackson music.com yeah. is where you can go yep. to find out, find these blogs. I'm not going to use my phone to take pictures of the studio because you've got some great pictures there that are probably yeah. better. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you can take pictures of it. And look, um, but uh, only uh, just a picture of this Gretsch for my personal use. But <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> I don't know what that means. Ben, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, Thank man. you. Thank you. So there you go, folks. There was Ben Jackson. Um, I thought that was time well spent. I learned a lot from him about just understanding gear and, and having patience to understand gear. Um, we talked a lot about the Ableton thing. I edited down uh, quite a bit, but we talked about... Um, just creating opportunities just based on what he learned and, and how he's employed those skills. So I hope you guys enjoyed that and got as much out of it as I did. Tune in next week where Zach Albetta will be the host. Uh, check out his episode. Also, thanks goes out to Mike Jackson once again for his technical assistance. I want to mention a tweet that uh, was put out last week by uh, Jack Painting. He writes, thanks at Working Drummer and at Tina Raymond Drums for a great interview. Reassuring words plus great playing. Uh, That was uh, an interview that Zach had done with uh, Tina Raymond. It was a great one. We are trying to uh, remedy our lack of diversity. So I'm really glad that Zach was able to bring that interview to the table. Again, uh, thanks to everyone that's listening and showing interest and uh, creating feedback, whether it's on Facebook or Instagram or anything. It's, it's always helpful to keep the conversation going. So thanks again for listening and hope to see you around. Bye-bye.